again. Uh, this is uh, Jason Powers. I'm um, doing a um, audio-only uh, broadcast today, um, and it's going to be tied to uh, finishing up on uh, base people um, and what they think. And uh, then we're going to go into the one-year anniversary of our uh, psychological operation against the United States and, and, and by extension, the entire world. Um, so we'll actually we'll start off. I want to. <clears throat> there was a part of uh, our friend Teddy uh, who was writing this 25 years ago. He said sources of social problems, um, and it's uh, a. Like I said, it's very prescient and, and actually uh, delves into some of our uh, conflicts that we have as a as a society and how we how we've uh, garnered that over a course of time. Uh, for example, so sources of social problems, uh, paragraph forty five. Any of the foregoing symptoms can occur in any society, but in modern industrial society, they are present on a massive scale. We aren't the first to mention the world today seems to be going crazy. This sort of thing is not normal for human societies. There is a good reason to believe that primitive man suffered from less stress and frustration and was better satisfied with his way of life than modern man is. It is true that not all sweetness and light, uh, not all was sweetness and light in primitive society. Abuse of women was common amongst the uh, Australian Aborigines. Transsexuality was fairly common amongst among some of the American Indian tribes, but it does appear that, generally speaking, the kind of problems that we have listed in the uh, uh, preceding paragraph were far less common among primitive peoples than they are in modern society. Those problems he was talking about were uh, boredom, demoralization, low self-esteem, inferiority, defeatism, depression, anxiety, guilt, uh, frustration, hostility, uh, Spouse or child abuse, insatiable hedonism, abnormal sexual behavior, sleep disorders, etc. <clears throat> so, to move on, <clears throat> he goes into, let's see here, what's a good place to start there from there? It is well known that crowding increases stress and aggression. And that's paragraph 48. The degree of crowding that exists today and the isolation of man from nature are consequences of technical and technological progress. All pre-industrial societies were predominantly rural. The Industrial Revolution vastly increased the size of cities and the proportion of population that lives in them, and modern agricultural technology has made it possible for Earth to support a far denser population than it ever did before. Also, technology acerbates the effects of crowding because it puts increased disruptive powers in people's hands. For example, a, very, a variety of noise-making devices, power mowers, radios, motorcycles. If the use of these devices is unrestricted, people who want peace and quiet are frustrated by the noise. If their use is restricted, people who use devices are frustrated by the regulations. But if the machines had never been invented, there would never have been no conflict and no frustration generated by them. For primitive societies, the natural world, which usually changes only slowly, provided a stable framework and therefore a sense of security. In the modern world, it is human society that dominates nature rather than the other way around, and modern society changes very rapidly owing to technological change. Thus, there is no stable framework. 
The conservatives are fools. They whine about decaying of traditional values, yet they enthusiastically support technological progress and economic growth. Apparently, it never occurs to them that you can't make rapid, drastic changes in technology and the economy of the society without causing rapid changes in all other aspects of society as well, and that such rapid changes inevitably break down the traditional values. The breakdown of traditional values, to some extent, implies the breakdown of bonds that hold together traditional small-scale social groups. The disintegration of small-scale social groups is also promoted by the fact that modern conditions often require or tempt individuals to move to new locations, separating themselves from their communities. Beyond that, a technological society has to weaken family ties and local communities if it is to function efficiently. In modern society, an individual's loyalty must be first to the system and only secondarily to the small-scale community because if the internal loyalties of the small-scale communities were stronger than the loyalties to the system, such communities would pursue their own advantage at the expense of the system. Crowding, rapid change, and the breakdown of communities has been widely recognized as sources of social problems, but we do not believe they are enough to account for the extent of problems that are seen today. A few pre-industrial societies were very large and crowded, yet their inhabitants do not seem to have suffered from the psychological problems to the extent as a modern man. In America today, there are still uncrowded, uncrowded rural areas, and we find there are the same problems as in urban areas, though the problems tend to be less acute in the rural areas. This crowding does not seem to be a decisive factor. Uh, paragraph 55. On the growing edge of the American frontier during the 19th century, the mobility of the population probably broke down extended families and small-scale social groups to at least the same extent as the broken down today. In fact, many nuclear families lived by choice in in such isolation, having no neighbors within several miles that belonged to no community at all, yet they do not seem to have developed problems as a result. Furthermore, change in American frontier society was very rapid and deep. A man might be born and raised inside a log cabin, outside the reach of law and order, and fed largely on wild meat. And by the time he arrived at old age, he might be working at a regular job, living in an ordered community with effective law enforcement. This was a deep, deeper change than what typically occurs in the life of a modern individual. Yet it does not seem to have led to psychological problems. In fact, 19th century American society had an optimistic and self-confident tone, quite unlike that of today's society. The difference, we argue, is that modern man has the sense, largely justified, that changes imposed on him, where 19th century frontiersmen had the sense, also largely justified, that he created change himself by his own choice. Thus, a pioneer settled on a piece of land of his own choosing and made it into a farm through his own effort. In those days, an entire county might have only a couple hundred inhabitants and was far more isolated and autonomous entity than a modern county is. Hence, the pioneer farmer participated as a member of a relatively small group in the creation of a new ordered community. One may well question whether the creation of this community was an improvement, but at any rate, it satisfied the pioneer's need for the power, for the power process. So, 
and we'll stop there. There's there's more he he goes into about the family and and whatnot. Uh, the power process was something mentioned by him earlier in regards to uh, people need to experience that ability to control um, and, and and actually control their their lives and the, the autonomy that comes from that. And, and many times liberals feel uh, a lack of power, a weakness. Um, they don't have a they don't have uh, goals that. Um, fulfill them uh, they have an identity problem and he, he discussed that further I won't I mean it's it's kind of a complex thing but people have to step in you know when they say step into your power it's an individual power you need to be able to um, <clears throat> find comfort in your own skin and be able to affect change in your own life in order for you to uh, garner uh, a uh, a balance, a stability, which he discusses in this article or in his uh, writing, and I think it's uh, a good jump-off point to <clears throat> where we've been the past year. With uh, so today is uh, March fourteenth of twenty twenty-one. Um, at this point, I think Trump had just given his first, I guess you could say, crisis. Uh, speech. I think it was on March 12th. Uh, Bill Gates uh, 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 stepped down from Microsoft as a chair at the behest of uh, Thomas Friedman on CNBC, another globalist. That happened on like March 13th or March 12th, I think. So we're right at that juncture. This is when this became hot. So we're a year into this. Um, and I can think back to where I was. Where I was on that particular moment, I was actually uh, in the process of getting a, uh, a job. Actually, uh, I worked for the. I I, I was um, <clears throat> I was between contracts as a, as a mediocre industrial engineer, and I couldn't. I mean, I, what had happened was is I was working on projects that I uh, found some fulfillment in. Uh, I wrote a couple of books. Um, and uh, put together a couple other uh, writings that I had uh, uh, dusted off and put a, put some editing to it and put a cover on it and and published them. Uh, I was going through that process. As a matter of fact, from uh, let's see, I started actually writing the book in July of 2019, a actual book uh, from from scratch. And I put that together on, and published that first. Uh, it was like a 350-page uh, volume in October 31st. So, and then I went from there, and I uh, uh, worked on a older title that I uh, put together prior to that, and uh, published that in uh, in December. And then finished up. Uh, I put together a health plan, or I had put together a health business plan. And I put it put together a forward on that. It was like about a fifty or sixty page forward, and then I uh, had an entire business plan that I had put together. And when I published it all together, it was about three hundred and sixty pages. And I did that at the end of January, and I put, published a thin volume of poetry that I had put together many many years ago, many many moons ago. Um, and I and I put that together, and also put that together so I'd stayed busy throughout that time but I also was looking for another industrial engineering position contract position consulting or however you want to describe that um, 
but then this pandemic kicked off and things started the it through grinded the gears so i went and worked for amazon i actually got hired i think late march uh, i actually i think the first paycheck i got was the first week of april and i stayed with amazon at that time at the very beginning of my uh, duties there uh, they had no mass mandate none none whatsoever so about two weeks in uh, they started rolling out the mask uh, the temperature checks, six feet distance, social distancing. This is in a warehouse, and the warehouse is probably minimum uh, almost a million square feet under roof. Um, and so, you know, it's a huge facility. Uh, you have all these people wandering around, and they're worried about, you know, distancing and masks, and, and yet here you are touching all this product every night. I mean, hundred. I mean, what I what I, my job was is to go uh, throughout this uh, each section or each sector and pick pick product, you know, boxes and cases and whatever, and touch things that other people have touched, and come behind people who have touched things that other people have touched, you know. And we didn't have gloves or anything like that, so it was it was a uh, <laughs> it was all bullshit, and I knew it was bullshit. And <laughs> I knew it from the the minute we started doing it, and it was frustrating because I no no sooner get hired here, and I was expecting to, you know, try to ride out the storm that was the the COVID situation, and so in late April, about I I worked there for right at about four weeks, and then I just between the mask and I I started getting hassled. Uh, one night I was picking in an aisle and. You know, I had my mask down, and and you had sheep that were uh, complaining. Uh, they would run, run to the management, or or the management say, "Well, you need to keep your mask on the way you're, way, you know, uh, to keep you safe." I'm like, you're not keeping anybody safe, but you can't argue with it, and that goes to the obedience. I've never been a very obedient person. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've always uh, resisted that temptation doesn't mean that i won't comply to something that somebody generally requests it just means that if the if the if the if there's no logical reason to do something and 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 the thing is too it's not even just that i mean you're sweating your ass off all night long i mean i walked minimum 10 to 12 miles per night guaranteed if not more at least that i would say at least that much so you're walking about a mile mile and a half an hour to pick cases or more and you're working for it was a 10-hour shift so like i said you're walking you know half a marathon per night it, it wouldn't be wouldn't have been out of the ordinary you're tired at the end of your shift and you know it you're i mean at least at my age you were um maybe a younger person wouldn't feel it so much but my niece felt it and uh, you're walking on co- uh, concrete pavement all night and you better have great shoes um and uh and and just because you have softer you don't want to have too soft. I mean, you're standing on concrete and you're walking on concrete and you're turning. You're turning the cart and you can feel it after the end of the night. I mean, I just noticed that uh, maybe uh, the first couple of nights you, you re- regretted, the, <laughs> regretted the day you were born because your body just isn't used to it. Uh, you can almost call it primitive man because you're doing all this walking that you're not accustomed to and suddenly you're doing it. So you had to stay hydrated. Anyway, uh, that's getting off the point, but uh, I gave them, I just, it was the middle of the night, and I said, 
it was about two o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I could tell I, I just had my frustration level. I reached my frustration level because of a, oh, uh, I couldn't find an item in a, in a particular slot. And they had hundreds and uh, they would have uh, some slots stuffed with hundreds of items and other things were by size or whatever. Uh, randomized storage location, wherever they can put it. And if you couldn't find something, you had to scan through the entire box. And it was just uh, frustrating to, to have to scan every individual piece for cycle counting purposes. And, you know, you're, I mean, that, that is what it is, but... You know, my frustration wasn't from that. My frustration was from everything else around it, and and knowing that I didn't want to do the do the job anymore because I I, I wasn't going to continue to be told to do this, and I didn't know how much more inane they were going to get. So I left that position, and then I uh, you know I went back to uh, writing. Uh, actually, I initially went back and I put together a three-hour movie regarding this situation arising from doing research on on Gates and the COVID numbers and the actual medical science behind it. I started running into alternative sources of information, which of course is a no-no according to our media establishment who think they know better than everybody else, but they don't translate science. They're just reading off a teleprompter. They're not they're not engaging with the information. They're just they're just spewing back uh, talking points that somebody's told them to give them. So, I mean, if you really want to measure the differences, I was actually looking at uh, research studies from uh, JAMA and uh, New England Journal of Medicine and the British uh, Medical Journal and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I started really digging into uh, finding out the who and who was funding it and looking to see what the significant information was on hydroxychloroquine and, and a host of other things. So that resulted in a, a movie and an initiative. I had to script it out. Uh, it was a three-hour movie. It wasn't just about that. It was about the psychological manipulation that we were going through at the time. Um, uh, for example, uh, Ted here, uh, he, he mentions that too. Uh, so, for example... Uh, paragraph 62, he mentions uh, social needs such as sex, love, and status often remain in group two in a modern society. Uh, I won't talk about that uh, as an aside, depending on the situation of the individual. But except for people who have a particularly strong drive for status, the effort required to fulfill the social drives is insufficient to satisfy adequately the need for the power process. So certain artificial needs have to be created that fall into group two, hence serve the need for the power process. Advertising and marketing techniques have been developed that make many people feel they need things that their grandparents never desired or even dreamed of. It, is a, it, is requ it requires serious effort to earn enough money to satisfy these artificial needs, hence they fall into group two. Modern man must satisfy his need for the power process largely through the pursuit of artificial needs created by the advertising and marketing industry and through surrogate activities. So you just think about that. Marketing and advertising. So this marketing and advertising is just propaganda. It tells you what you need. And then, in other words, they sell you that this is an old technique. It's been going on for probably since the dawn of time but uh 
it's been high, uh, honed and fine-tuned in the last 100 and 150 years. In particular, um, to the discussion that I was having was, uh, <clears throat> for example, a guy named Edward Bernays, who was the who was the nephew of uh, Sig Sigmund Freud, was the guy who probably was the first. He developed the he developed the the concept of he called it public relations. He used the word, he came up with a new te terminology, public relations, when it was just propaganda. But propaganda, as he said, had a bad term. And he's an evil person, just straight out evil person. When I say he's an evil person, um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he really never saw any moral principle. He was, he had no moral principles and he had no uh, personal warmth. Uh, he dealt with people in groups. He looked at people as groups. He was a leftist, essentially. Uh, uh, some may even call him a Marxist. Um, from his own daughter's, uh, his own daughter Anne Bernays, who I think is still alive, or she just passed away just recently, because he uh, Edward Bernays lived to be 104 years old. He's born in the 1891. He died in 1995. So that's a hell of a lifespan. He uh, he. Um, we'll get into his history. He was at the World War One armistice uh, when they uh, signed the agreement. Uh, the British and the French signed the agreement against the Germans for reparations. Uh, he was a, along with uh, he was along with the Wilson administration. He actually worked for Wilson in basically the initial propaganda department. If you remember, if you know the poster, Uncle Sam, where he's pointing at everybody, says, "I want you." You know that was all ginned up to get the United States into the war, because um, that was that was part of, part and parcel to a grander scheme uh, developed by some of the the forces behind uh, getting World War One kicked off. Uh, that was a well thought out plan, by the way. That wasn't about the the Ferdinand Frank. Uh, I think is I, I yeah Ferdinand. I can't remember his first name, but. The royal uh, guy, uh, I think it was Serbia. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember everything about World War One, but I did watch a documentary recently, and uh, there were a number of forces, forces and actors, in particular uh, Great Britain. Um, there was uh, uh, these high, uh, I guess you call them elitist people, uh, world order people, kind of uh, a very. Um, a clandestine operation uh, to uh, to uh, get a war started, get it ginned up. Uh, the philosophy was, is uh, in many cases, they were very scared of uh, German uh, prowess. As it, you know, after Germany took over, oh, well, as they consolidated in the late, I think, in 1871, after the war against France, uh, uh, Alsace-Lorraine, when they took that back over. And they consolidated and became a, a more unified country and were producing better goods, making more money. Um, they were they, uh, the British and the French, uh, but in particular out of uh, the British uh, mindsets, the bankers of the world at the time, uh, they were all keen on, on trying to gin up a war because war makes money. And war gave them other access and they were intent, very intent on pulling the United States into war because 
say countries who are self-sufficient as as the pioneering spirit is when you're self-sufficient and debt-free and you're isolated and you can make money and you can build a country um, it's amazing what you can get accomplished that way there's a reason why you should stay out of other people's business and stay as far away from them as possible because generally speaking if they're so inclined to ask for your help and want you to be involved in their their affairs or in their drama uh, they probably have ulterior motives that you are are sorely unaware of yet you're not going to understand until it's way too late until you've already invested way too much capital and resources and time and effort and blood and tears and everything else in between and they'll just say well you 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 decided on it and they'll blame you <laughs> uh that's from my personal that's from personal experience too uh, but you think about it from a country standpoint, you know, nothing better. And, and the thing is, is usually they, I mean, it's usually not, um, it's not be driven by the public. Though, to get a war started, they had to insert in Wilson, who was a racist, by the way. You'll notice that in, in uh, U.S. history, a lot of the most racist uh, presidents were Democrats. So, Woodrow Wilson... Ostensibly, uh, Teddy Roosevelt wasn't, or not Teddy, but uh, Franklin Roosevelt wasn't, he wasn't no racial uh, 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 backer. Uh, he was, I mean, he blocked up the, he in turn uh, Japanese uh, uh, people on the West Coast. Uh, he, he had no qualms about that. Uh, Truman, he came from a, a, a family of racists. Uh, he, I, I give him credit. I think he adapted his philosophies over time. But then again, Truman was a sucker for the, for what was then the, the what became the CIA, and he he listened to the, listened to these war, new world order uh, uh, proponents, uh, Dean Acheson and and a host of other people that he uh, let stay too close to the fray. Uh, that's where you get the Dulles brothers. Who the Dulles brothers were the ones who developed the. Uh, the security, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, um, they were always behind the scenes and intrigue and whatnot, and they also started off, I think, in the Wilson administration. So, or at least they had uh, family members that were not them, they themselves. But uh, there's just been a host of of uh, errors that the United States has made when you get people in power, and it goes to the system. They create a system where. They expect people to be more loyal to the system than to themselves and to the individuality that those people should have, and that you know leads us to what is like what it's like today, as in that we're uh, you know we were we had all our choices taken away from us under the guise of a pandemic that uh, excuse me that uh, ninety nine point at least 99.5% of the people will survive, especially if you're under 50. You, it's probably more like 99.8. Uh, the amount of deaths, for example, uh, for the ages under 24 in the United States, so if you took the number of deaths that actually occurred and you took the number of deaths that were tied to COVID, it was like 1, in, one to 1.5% one of that total. So it was like at, at one particular time throughout this crisis, I think that was in early January that I did that number so it was like I think it was like 600 uh, 600 attributable deaths for ages under 20 under 25 
It may be a little bit higher than that. But that was 600 deaths attributed to COVID, uh, or they've listed that as the cause. And there was more like more like 55 to 60,000 deaths total for that age group over the ter- over the ter- term of time from like March, ostensibly. It was actually a one-year span, but uh, ostensibly from the time of COVID, March through to January. So, and then if you took uh, people between the ages of 25 and 55, they probably accounted for about, oh, about 7 or 8% of the, uh, of the COVID deaths that were listed. And 90% of the COVID deaths, over 90%, were for people over the ages of 55. That isn't to say that, you know, they needed to, those people who were tied to a COVID death needed to suffer the way they did. Far be it for me to say that of those, if for example, if you'd have taken the, that particular uh, age range, in particular anybody over the age of 75, what was the likelihood they were going to pass away in 2000, uh, 2020 or 2021 would have been fairly high. Uh, at least there would have been a probability on that. It probably would have been you know, anywhere between 40 to 50% in any given year. It was a coin flip especially given their comorbidities, um, which goes to the point of um, this one-year uh, span. What do we know now that we didn't know then? Uh, we know that there are therapeutics out there. We know that there's been an eager, uh, eager, eager push from uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party to propagandize our entire country on the effectiveness of lockdowns and masks and vaccination. Uh, they've used their surrogates. Uh, there's a reason why Bill Gates wound up on CGTN, the Chinese uh, propaganda ne- network, that, and was uh, uh, discussing these these situations with them. Uh, it, it was quite entertaining to when I saw those videos. And I'm thinking, why is he talking to the Chinese propaganda network? I mean, why is a guy who's worth you know, a couple hundred billion dollars total when you count his foundation. Why is he spending all his time on international affairs? And if he was so interested in making making the United States, which he isn't, he isn't interested at all in doing anything of service to the United States of America. He's not a patriot. He's a he's a traitor to the entire nation. The only thing is, is he's been such a He's been such a manipulator and master manipulator since the day he was probably born, but at least uh, certainly since the 1970s, uh, between his launch of Microsoft and stealing property from, uh, he essentially stole property property from IBM. Uh, A host of IBM executives pretty much said that you know they they basically handed over his uh, handed over their intel intellectual property to him. And he combined it with an operating system for the guy, from a guy in the 70s. Um, he bought it from them. So the only thing he's been very good at is being able to consolidate uh, different pieces of the puzzle together. That makes him good at something, but you know, he's a, he, it's all just about legal process. Anything he, anything he could do to distort markets. I don't know who, and, and not only that, he's a, he, he's been, he's a, pusher of eugenics he's a pusher of uh planned parenthood uh he's a p- pusher of what what uh teddy was talking about uh population overpopulation uh he's been he's been he's been all about that him and his wife both uh 
there's an interview with him uh, with 60 Minutes, or not him, but uh, his wife was walking around with, I think it was Scott Pelley or somebody like that. And they're in Africa, and they're just walking, and they're talking about, you know, women, and they're making, having kids, and talking about death and uh, early childhood. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're just walking amongst the, the people on either side of them, you know, pretty as they please, just just honestly just two vicious white liberals just talking about the people around them like they're just cattle they're just sheep to them you know as if they don't matter oh we've 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 improved their life so much you know they don't have as many kids now you know <laughs> it was that kind of, it was basically as blunt as all that i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna suggest that uh, i have the absolute uh quote there i guess i should but if you watched, if if the segment was uh, available, I'm sure you could uh, pull it up. Uh, 60 Minutes or CBS with uh, Melinda Gates, and you could probably find it. And if you really pay attention to what she's just saying, she's just saying it matter of factly, like you know, you know, well, you know, we think we've done a good job, you know, uh, you know, now now they don't have as many kids. Basically, that's what it boils down to. So they're all about that. You know, we educate, and, and they're all about getting, oh, they got to get all these women educated. But they don't really do anything for them. They just, uh, and they probably tell them, they, they tell them everything they want to hear. Uh, you know, the people around you are evil, they're bad to you, and everything else. They sell them their oppression. Um, <laughs> they sell them an ideology. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to get off on that rant, but I guess I did. Um, when it comes to thinking of, this past year too, you have to think of the people that were willing to destroy the United States uh, in D.C. in particular. But you know they used their surrogates, like you hear about Cuomo recently and his his escapades, and and now they're getting rid of him. I'm sure he uh, I'm sure he feels like he got backstabbed, but you know that's just the way it is. Uh, there's there's always people playing um, chess. Let's just call it that. Um, no matter how untouchable certain people think they are, uh, you know, liberals are great at this. They, they're, I hate to call them liberals. They're, I'm going to say leftists. I think liberals are still sane, but I think leftists have, have supplanted the Democratic Party, and, and, and they know it. Uh, so uh, the people that are the liberals inside that party, at least the power structure, they're, they've always been evil. But if you're taking the voters in, in, in the blocks, uh, you know, I don't think... I don't think all uh, liberals are insane yet, though. I bet you some of them are regretting their votes at this point. Anyway, um, so yeah, they they eat their own. They've always been able to do that because you know they it, it, it's all about you know consolidating power from some other other place and taking it from somebody else. So uh, with D- DC. And we know that they're they're pushing these uh, uh, radical agendas, uh, and they're still pushing them. Uh, they were hell bent on getting rid of Trump, and uh, um, we all know that uh, through any means necessary. And uh, Trump made a couple statements that have actually come out rather prophetic. And this isn't about him, you know, being a likable guy or a supportable guy for many people. I I fully understand that that's people's viewpoint, but he he mentioned something about the cure being worse than the disease. I don't know if he was talking about COVID at the time, 
or if he was talking about uh, uh, grander or more uh, profound things. He may have been just talking about COVID, but I think it applies to the way people have decided to run this uh, year. Uh, there was a Stanford uh, University. Um, he signed the Great Barrington Declaration talking about how lockdowns have been uh, a tragedy, uh, absolute mistake. This is coming from a guy who uh, I, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, I, I'd have to go look it back up, but uh, he came out and said as much. And this has been this has been been said for months and months and months by many people. Uh, Nobel Prize, uh, Stanford University. As a matter of fact, is Michael Levitt was talking about how lockdowns were stupid back in April, and he's been proven ostensibly 100% right. Um, you've destroyed this economy. You've done everything that China wanted to, wanted us to do, and you did it for them. Good job, Washington. Good job, good job, all you Democratic and Republican governors and Democratic city uh, mayors. You guys did such a wonderful job in destroying your own. It, basically, you you crapped all over your entire nation. You basically just said, "Okay, we're willing to destroy the entire fabric of U.S. society for a flu that hasn't killed tens of millions of people, even at this point." It's not even, I, and and when I say killed, I mean that it's the the cause, and you can readily see it. In a, you know, you see the bodies in the street. You see the hospitals are overflowing. The hospitals haven't been uh, deluged with any amount of cases. And when I say they, when I say where you've heard the squawking, I mean we all saw this summer. If you watched uh, Twitter, you saw these uh, little units going out and doing TikTok videos and flash mobs and all this other garbage it's like uh, I see a lot of people who supposedly call themselves frontline workers and oh I'm on the battlefield against COVID I was like God can you virtue signal any worse it's like you're not virtuous in fact you're evil <laughs> and don't even know it <laughs> um, and that's a side point but uh, what I'm saying is is you, you, everybody fell for the exploit, uh, the the exploitative uh, uh, viewpoint. Everybody fell for it. Uh, they were advertised and marketed this panic. This entire panic has been nothing but a, a psychological operation to destroy our country, and everybody should know that by now. This should be obvious. Don't listen to the media. They're going to lie to you because that's what they've been doing, and they're going to continue to do that. They're going to continue to sell you your chains. They're going to continue you to say, well, maybe you should put a third mask on. You know, maybe that'll keep the virus away. Yeah. Yeah. We're already a year into it, bitch. What, why do you, why would you think that, that, <laughs> that any of this is going to change anything? You can say, oh, well, we can't base everything based upon past knowledge. It's like we were in 2020. Any knowledge that we should have had about viruses and pandemics should have been well thought out already. Why didn't we have a master plan? Why did it? And then they'll say, well, well, wasn't that Trump's job? I say, no, it's not Trump's job. He's a chief executive. He's not the guy who's supposed to come up with the goddamn plan. <laughs> what's, what's the point of paying? What's the point of having an $8 billion CDC budget and not having a fucking pan, pandemic plan? Pardon my French. <laughs> I mean, you can't tell me that you shouldn't have had a, had a, a ready to go, uh, 
based upon the scenario of spread, uh, lethality, etc., etc. You should have all, all those options should have already been pre-planned. I mean, they do military operations on a regular at the Pentagon. You mean they didn't have a have a here you go. This is what we should. This is this is what we should do based upon the knowledge at the time. This is exactly what we should do. They didn't actually. You know what they did? They used. Uh, uh, there's been multiple uh, outlets that have reported this. So now the Chinese uh, tell you this lockdown plan, and the Rockefeller Foundation also created the lockstep plan. But in 2006 or seven, I think Bush's uh, entertained uh, based upon one of their lackeys come up came up with the lock lockdown plan based upon some what what some 15 year old girl came up with so this is this is a level of of idiocy that has been allowed to perpetrate and to keep rational adults from making money supporting themselves uh handling their own lives and i knew this was going to be a rant in, in a little bit because uh i've just watched this last year just piss away in front of us um, from my personal life and watching uh, you know whether it be you know people become less friendly more isolated which was part of this thing too that was the whole point with social distancing it was another way to keep people from talking to each other uh, to get people to stay inside irrespective of the riches um, to break down the family which is uh being done on a daily basis, uh, we've seen uh, how much it's uh, how much of an impact it's had on on kids. Uh, there's suic the suicide increases um, amongst youth, a bunch a bunch. Uh, and meanwhile, while that's been going on, you have teachers union teachers unions out there. These hard left teachers unions who think that they're think that they're so special that they get to Get paid while doing nothing. Get paid while doing nothing. Soaking up your tax dollars and not doing anything. And if they are providing Zoom calls for teaching, they're not teaching anybody. They're showing how inept they are. I mean, they can't. The, most of these teachers are just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And if you're a teacher out there, yeah, I'm calling you pathetic. If you bought into this whole psychological operation... You are an. I'm indicting you for all the bullshit that's going on out there. It's time. You, what you have done is criminal. The fact that you, the fact that you, as a profession, you in this profession, did not get out there in the streets and say, "No, we want to. We want to teach." You should have wanted your job. Instead, you bought into the fear, and then you exploited it to do other things. To try to use political power, and by doing that, you did everything the leftists always do. You take to the streets, you get violent, you you start uh, you you uh, basically you basically uh, went on strike, went on strike against the United States of America, and because of your strike, you're going to destroy this country. And I hope you're happy for that. I hope you. I want you to feel that guilt and shame, especially when. The final part of what I'm going to talk about, the China, <clears throat> their game plan was to get you to do this, and you bought into it. You sold your entire country out so that you could have a few, few weeks or months uh, free to do whatever the hell you want, uh, to be uh, 
as you call yourself, babysitters. Yeah, that's what you are, baby. You are a babysitter. And you're not even a very good one. Um, <laughs> you don't teach anybody anything. You're indoctrinating kids. And you're using the common core. You never resisted that either. You let Gates buy into that crap. I mean, there's just a host of blame that needs to get shifted onto you people. Because I really am tired of listening to your excuses. Yeah, if I was in charge of you, I would just... I would castigate you every day until you figured it out. And you could either quit and we put somebody in charge that knows what they're doing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really, I think that's really what needed to be said. Uh, if you're a woman out there or if you're a weak male and you're teaching at the K through 12, you're, you have poisoned our entire country. And it's on, it's on your shoulders and on your heads that all this rests because if you would have kept the social the social stability that we were looking for if we were to continue teaching or if you would have pushed back against your government instead of being more interested in I know getting rid of orange man because you think he's the worst thing since Hitler Jesus talk about not be, being clueless as all get out um, you know Trump has his, has many, many flaws, but in, in comparison to uh, a host of other flaws and a host of other uh, evils out there, he's, his, he is not only milquetoast, he's probably benign. Um, you, you talk about people who, who should know their history and yet seem to seemingly have forgotten all of it. And uh, that'll lead to uh, the China uh, piece, but one more one more segment here on. Um, so there was a guy I, I follow. His name is Stephen Kotchkin. Uh, Kotchkin. He's a, a Stalin expert. I mean, he he write, He's written voluminously about Stalin and his uh, his uh, rise to power and his reign of terror and and obviously his his whole persona and how it developed. You know, he was a thug. He was a low level thug in the. Uh, revolution. He actually wasn't at the. He wasn't a key. He wasn't the first key aspect. I mean, he was close, uh, closely aligned to the revolution, the uh, Soviet. I mean, the the communist revolution. But he wasn't uh, a key. He wasn't like Trotsky or Lenin. Uh, he was, uh, you know, a second tier. He made himself a first tier. Um, uh, you know, he he saw the he saw the opportunity. And he took it. Uh, as far as takeover, but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Stalin. But I have listened to uh, uh, Mr. Kochkin, so I found a video on him from uh, 2017. It was probably April, I think it was April of 2017. And he, at the beginning of it, uh, you know, he starts to talk about how Trump beat, you know, the the neo libs and the neocons and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he uh, twisted. He started twisting it. He started twisting it on, and of course, he was either develop, he was either working off of false information, or he was working off his his own ideology. I don't know which. Uh, and by that, I mean, based upon what he knew at that point. I mean, he was he was complaining about how Trump was putting all his lackeys or his surrogates in in positions of in in charge and in in, in uh, agencies and whatnot. Uh, little did he know, he didn't get a whole lot of those people. He was putting second level or people he could get installed without having to get them uh, through the Senate. 
even though the Senate did approve some of his nominations, they were very slow on him. Uh, he was using, he was, the thing was, is he was whining about the fact that Trump was putting all the people that he, he wanted in charge of things. I'm thinking, well, isn't that what every president does? Is that any, is that any different? You know, what was problematic was that the apparatus that is in D.C. disliked the hell out of Trump and would do anything to stop him. And, and that's, that was the root problem. People that are used to getting their patronage and getting their little jobs um, there was a paragraph in here that I skipped over in this uh, paper that, that kind of lays out that concept is that, um, you know, the idea is, is if you're, um, I'll, I'll read it verbatim. Suppose that a public official or corporation executive appoints his cousin, his friend, or his co-religious, uh, co-religionist to a position rather than appointing the person best qualified for the job. He has permitted personal loyalty to supersede his loyalty to the system, and that is nepotism or discrimination, both of which are terrible sins in modern society. Would-be industrial societies that have done a poor job of subordinating personal or local loyalties to, to loyalty to the system are usually very inefficient. Thus, an advanced industrial society can tolerate only those small-scale communities that are emasculated, tame, and made into tools of the system. So what I'm saying is, is if you look at D.C. and the way it is operating, it's a patronage system. It's a, you know, elitist class of people, and it's very embedded in their mindset that they, they shall rule no matter what. And they only, they're the ones who choose who runs our country. And that's the reason why they despise Trump so effing much so much so that they're willing to cut cut the united states throat despite itself which shows you what kind of idiots that they are because in their quest to get rid of him and now they've gotten rid of him now they got their puppet in place uh and now they're going to push forward with all these draconian measures eventually they're slowly getting everybody accustomed to one after another they're rolling them out and seeing how far they can go how much of it has to be done by executive order, how much of it is going to be done by uh, codification, and then finally how much of it has to be done through military force because that's the process. Um, first, they're going to mandate it through executive authority. They're going to get the agency people or the people they want in charge of certain things and say, okay, we want you to manage this rollout of whatever the policy is, racial equity or uh, gender bending and all this other shit that they've been throwing in at us. Next, they'll codify it. That's the reason why they're trying to push through HR1, HR5, and all these other crazy bills with lots of money attached to them. They're going to create hyperinflation. going to tear down the system. They're going to create a new monetary system, but it isn't going to involve them. They don't realize that China is right now just licking its chops, waiting to take them over. They're so stupid. They're, they they have no concept of what's going to happen to them. They may say that they have it. They have it all figured out. These people couldn't find their ass with uh, both hands. That's how stupid they are. Our military has gotten to the point where it is so weak that we are we are in, in the midst of... Uh, we, may, we may have the worst American defeat in the next five years that we've ever had as a military. Um, I don't want to project... I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Uh, when I say the truth, 
I, I, I just see the omens of it. There's, I, I, I just, I don't see how these guys are going to um, achieve the goals that they think they're going to, they're going to. I mean, it's the truth of, it's my truth. Let's, I'll be, I'll be like a leftist. It's my truth. Um, I just, I don't see it. And so, uh, these ideas that these people think, and I, and I hate the fear monger. I really do. But you know what? I just watched them fear monger for a year about mask and a virus. When I know that, or what I know what portends for this nation is going to be, uh, cataclysmic in its nature because all the signs are there. The, the overreach, the pushing of this idiotic, these idiotic mandates, the fact that I see people just thinking, oh, we can just spend ourselves, spend money blind, just throw money at people that, uh, oh, but you got to stay home. They're, they're purposely breaking the system. They're purposely breaking it. And <laughs> either they, either they think they're going to get more power through betraying everybody in the United States and they're going to betray liberals, leftists, conservatives, libertarians. They don't care who they're betraying. They don't care what your politics are. All they care about is their power. They're, they're, they're literally selling the entire nation out to corporate America. They're using corporate America as a tool, too, an instrument. Um, that's the reason why they're letting them enforce their own mandates. Say, oh, well, you have to follow the rules. They're a private company. Blah, blah, blah. They did that yesterday. I saw a video lady down in McCallum, Texas. So she went into a Bank of America. And Texas had just lifted the mask mandate down there. The Texas Cuck governor uh, finally said, signed up and said, hey, we're not going to have mask mandates anymore. So this lady went into a Bank of America and didn't have her mask on. Oh, the sin of that. So I, they actually had the viewpoint of the cop. He had, it's like a four-minute video. So he comes up to this lady and approaches her. She's a 65-year-old lady, by the way. <laughs> Old lady. White lady. And he starts talking to her, and she's like, no, I don't, I don't want, I, I'm here to, I got money at this bank, and I'm here to get, get a withdrawal. So who snitched on her? Obviously, it was the bank. Somebody in the bank, probably a Karen of some sort. Some, some frail, weak female Decided to call the police on her. <laughs> and so the cop eventually arrested her because she resisted, basically. And he put her on the ground. And he put the cuffs on her. And I'm thinking, meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, over in Portland, you have a, you know, you had people night in and night out trying to break into a federal building. And they would just, if they did arrest them, they'd just let them go. I'm sure they let this lady go, too. But you realize that the the lady her 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 fatal sin was not putting a putting a fifty cent mask on her face. And I know people say, well, compliance is very important. If she would only comply, we would have this virus spreading all over the place. The virus is going to spread no matter what the fuck you do. That's the whole point of it. That was the whole. That was the beauty of the plan. They know. They know. <laughs> these scientists know this too. It's not. This isn't. This is. This is settled science. You can't control something you can't see, right? Can you control a virus? Can you see a virus? Can you do you have Superman? Uh, do you have Superman uh, X-ray vision and can spot viruses? Where and I'm sure there'll be some technologists out there say, "Well, I've developed a new technology and I can spot viruses. I have a scanner or a wand or blah blah blah." 
oh, we can we can take your temperature and we can do all this stuff. You know what that all is about. It's social control. It's about controlling your movements and controlling your thoughts. It's about controlling what your temperature is, controlling when you pee, when you eat, when you sleep, when you how much money you make. I, I, people who 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 turn to these concepts that they're going to uh, you know control the initiatives of everybody based upon you know, a false pretense that they they think that the the virus is this killer killer killer. Now, granted, they probably will release another virus that'll be much more lethal. That when I say they'll release it, it it could come from China, it could come from us, for a matter of fact. I, I can understand both of those scenarios. I, I think there are such evil people in this world that they would do that. Why? Because as long as they have an attitude, antidote to it, they don't care. If they're if they're sitting there and the, if they're developing bioweapons in the lab, what makes you think they're not going to use them? They're you know, <laughs> I mean especially, I mean if you if you can get the results you got from this one, imagine what they'll do with the next one. I mean. Use your brain. I mean, think about it. I don't put anything past people who are in this mindset that they want to take over the world or and will use any means necessary to do it. But the best way to do it is just to collapse the collapse the the bastion, quote unquote, bastion of freedom that is the United States. Nothing makes any of these idiots happier than to destroy this country because we know we have a lot of people in this in the United States who have been blessed from the day they were born that hate this country. I mean, if you've gone, attended Harvard University or any Ivy League university or any public major public university and you despise this country, you are a pathetic soul. You are stupid as hell. I mean, you should thank your lucky stars that you ever had the uh, ability to attend a university. You know, back, what, when universities were first developed, this was around 1200, uh, 1200 AD or CE or whatever the hell nomenclature they use now. So Paris, uh, I think it was 1206 or 1200, uh, was the first university in the Western, I guess you could say in the Western world. Uh, I, I, I'm almost certain that they were the first one. But they were. that was when the, the university uh, little... Uh, uh, centers of, of knowledge took off, you know, whether it was in, then it was in Italy, um, there was obviously one in Britain, so you had these little major uh, centers where people had the luxury or could send their, the, you know, the elite could send first, obviously it was the elite and the aristocracy, and then it became the merchants, and they became certain uh, aspects the the artisans who started going there and would get mentored by somebody who knew more than they did. You know, that's where you got the apprenticeships and where you got the uh, the guilds formed. So all that formed out of that that particular time frame in the medieval era, from 1200 up to uh, basically when uh, the Western nations started to formulate. And when I say Western nations when they started to become more congealed in terms of actual nations like France and Britain uh, the Germanic tribes didn't they didn't congeal for uh, several years after that you had the Russian Empire etc etc this is the formation of the Western society meanwhile China China was you know far ahead at that point I think in the in the medieval era uh, they in like 1350 or 
1400 were you know the gunpowder and they were already working on that stuff and then they just they just kind of stopped uh i don't know enough about chinese history at that point to know what what happened but they basically were um they rested on their laurels i think uh their interactions with the west didn't seem entertaining enough to them uh but and they and they probably they had their internal strifes i'm sure and they were still consolidating uh their their initiatives on their continent in terms of uh, mongolia and stuff like that so what i'm getting at is that this idea that you should hate your country when you know that everything about what your life has been has been provided in some way say performed based upon the stability of that country just boggles my mind because i grew up ostensibly dirt poor i mean i'm not gonna say i was just you know hand to mouth but uh me and my mom lived in a one-bedroom apartment from age 10 to to when i was uh till i reached 18 i mean this was the escape from tennessee it was a apartment that was uh 160 dollars a month uh we had a poor working shower we had a one bed it was one bedroom so my mom's bed was in the living room and my bed was in the back uh uh back area and it was you know barely i mean it was like a it was like a prison cell size room it was probably about you know six feet by you know eight six by nine whatever it was a very small room it wasn't very big but meanwhile you know we survived and uh you know i appreciate there were times when i highly appreciated things i appreciated the fact that i had freedom my mom when she was working going to school i i mean i was raised an only child so i I went out and did what I wanted to do, and I got in trouble, and I did things I probably shouldn't have done, and you know that's part of being a teenager. I enjoyed sports, and the thing is, is I guess what 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 I guess the I guess the sad thing is, is when I see people that are very spoiled. I mean, I was I was considered spoiled. At least my father thought I was spoiled uh, for the little the very few interactions I ever had with him on the phone. Uh, he he seemed to entertain in his idea that I, I I just you know you know lived the life of Riley or something, but uh, not that he'll ever listen to this. But it amazes me when I see liberals who have you know traveled all over the place, attended major major universities, got to go overseas, got to work get to work in a you know Fortune fifty company, get hired there. You know, work for Intel, work for a Microsoft, a Google. Uh, at one time, it was IBM, or work for Arthur Anderson, or any major consulting firm, or any major manufacturer, and they get to work in a good position and get paid good money. I mean, out of college, I got I wound up working for Lear eventually, but I took a I I got, I got hired at thirty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety six which was about five or six thousand dollars under the average for the average hire uh, from something like Purdue University at that time I think the average rate was around 38 to 39 thousand or so uh, for an engineer so for all the liberals out there I mean now you're complaining and wanting 15 bucks an hour which all you're gonna do is destroy the destroy the job market you're gonna make you're gonna make it impossible for and you're creating inflation, a host of other uh, negative aspects that are going to happen there. But 
you know, at that time I could barely make it on that because of, of my stupid choices because I let my eyes get too big too coming out of college. But, uh, um, it just amazes me because I, I remember a guy that, uh, got hired by IBM. He was an accountant. His name was Mike and he was, uh, you know, he was a spoiled little liberal. He was from Michigan and, uh, you know, he really, he really, he used to give, I mean, he was so, so petty. <laughs> he would be so petty about, like, he had to make sure that, like, if we had, like, bought a case of beer or bought some aspect and it was split, like, three or four ways, he'd make sure everybody pitched in exactly the exact same amount. He was so, it, <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, I used to attribute it to him being an accountant and figuring he had to be precise uh, you know, he, you know, just that he was that anal retentive, but it, 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 maybe in that in a roundabout way, it was due to his egalitarianism behavior. Is we should all have exactly the same burden on this? It's like I, I, it was just insane, and I think that's always the problem with the you know that's the reason why I discuss uh, Teddy um, Kaczynski here, not because I you know I don't know anything, I don't know him personally. I just think because he was a radical for his day, he he turned out to be actually prophetic in terms of certain things that he was mentioning, and they've come to pass. You know, we've given up our we're going to give up our country to these these uh, D.C. bureaucrats, and 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 then and then later probably to the Chinese you know Chinese military operation that's probably being worked worked out. I mean, it may not happen this year. Uh, you know, you might have time, you might have a little time. But when it does happen, it won't be because uh, no one ever forewarns you. I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, when the first there'll be an economic collapse, and then there'll be conflict, and you'll see a rise in all kinds of craziness, violence. It's going to happen because you, when you destabilize a country, destabilize a, a, a massive country with as many guns as this country has, which are already talking about trying to go around and round up guns. Which is just like what the the Soviets were were all entertaining on. Say so they're going to try to disarm. Dis, once they disarm us, it's over. I mean, they know that. They know that once they do that, then they can do whatever they want to us, just like they do in Britain, just like they do in Europe. Um, they say they see it as that's a way to uh, to get the populace. They, see, because the, the populace knows that you know they can't. There's no way to stand up without being you know. Just losing everybody. Everybody values their life. Uh, let's be. I mean, you have some sense of mortality, and you just say, "Well, rather to uh, live and you know have some meager existence." Uh, it, but everything, all I'll do is just drive people underground. It'll drive the artistic, um, uh, the ideas. So I mean, the ruling class can only rule by force for so long, but. Uh, Somebody, a country like China, who's very uh, cohesive, uh, or at least uh, cohesive in in the respect that uh, their populace, you know, they haven't shown any uh, ability to rise up in the last, you know, 50 or 60 years. Uh, and they've been propagandized too for the last, for all that, for since 1949. I mean, you know, they, they, they exalt Mao there, even though he was a, he killed probably 60 million people, I mean, literally by starving them or through his uh, programs. And yet, 
he's still exalted. He's all exalted under money. He killed more people in that country than uh, we probably have had deaths in the United States in the past, well, in the past 25 years. All deaths. Just natural old age. He killed that many people. And yet people, I mean, and don't don't get me wrong, I mean, our, our presence, Obama and Clinton and, and Bush, between them all, and foreign foreign wars with other countries, I wouldn't doubt that we haven't killed three or four million people. Um, the military, uh, between Iraq and Afghanistan and all the little uh, minor skirmishes uh, throughout that, uh, Bosnia and Hertz, uh, I can't even pronounce it, Hertz of Govina, um, the whole nine yards, just that whole, the whole episode of the last 25 years prior to Trump. Now, I'm not saying Trump didn't, you know, he had some military operations, some minor ones, and, 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 but if you, in terms of magnitude, uh, his, 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 uh, his overseas body count is probably under, uh, under 10,000. I mean, no, and probably not even that, but, uh, um, I won't know. I mean, I know there was, they considered a bomb in Afghanistan. And, of course, you know, out of sight, out of mind, because our media didn't focus any intention on it. Um, so, I mean, I would be, I mean, I did see some numbers put put out there. But the media itself, the mainstream media, uh, that's been part of the problem. That, that is the problem, or one of the bigger problems is between the media and the education, they both destroyed this country. Uh through their initiatives, uh, um, and then of course DC. Like I said, this is a multi—what would you say—a multi-vector operation. I, I mean, how do I divvy up the 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 thing? Is is some uh, some some of uh, the destruction? It depends upon how you look at things. Is it a short-term destruction or long-term destruction? Education is a long-term, irre, almost irre, irreversible uh, destruction of a populace. Because if you're undereducated, then you're going to fall behind your your adversaries, and it, it, that will show. It, it, it's being reflected now. It's being reflected in the idiocy. They've dumbed down an entire generation. And the funny thing is, is we have uh, women who who talk about how they uh, care about their kids, and and yet they were more than willing to do it. Now they'll they'll blame men. They'll say. Well, if men weren't such assholes, we wouldn't have had this problem. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, sure, all those guys that you got uh, got involved with were the were the were the biggest problem in the in the in the relationship. Um, that's just 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 me. That's just me spouting off there. But education has an irrever almost an irreversible effect because once a person is, it takes a lot to overcome educational deficits. Uh, in terms of knowing how to learn and learning learning appropriate things, the media is probably has the next long term effect because if we don't get out of this cycle of propagandizing everybody uh, uh, and and having half the half the population that is easily suggestible to the fact that the media is somehow telling them the truth, um, the brainwashing is going to. Uh, permanently uh, uh, arrest this country's ability to come together for anything because eventually the people that are put see at some point or another uh, you're going to have people that even though they know they're being brainwashed are eventually going to just relent why because you know it's easier to give up it's easier to say okay fine 
and that's the that's what that's the reason why you you focus on emotional manipulation so much it's why it can be a very effective it's why women use it a lot emotional manipulation the more they cry the more they pout the more they complain the more they act like children the more guys eventually just concede to their wishes because they say ah oh, i don't i'm tired of the drama and i'm tired of the conflict and they just give in we don't give in because you're right we give in because you're just uh, we can't handle you we can't handle the we can't handle your uh, being upset and so the same way is going to happen with this situation is that eventually you're just going to give up you're going to say fine you win and and that's it that's that's what's been going on in in the conservative worlds versus uh the uh, the democrats you know or the republicans i guess you could call them i don't even really want to call them republicans like i said i'm not a republican and i wasn't a, i wasn't i've never been a part of either party i've never signed on to the the aspect of i have to be a part of a party to to uh to vote or provide my initi- uh, my uh, results and i probably never will vote for uh either party i i never will vote for either party again just saying it, it won't matter anyway because in 2022 i figured by 2022 things are going to get so weird that nobody will be there isn't going to be really any need for an election everybody will just say yep we already know it's going to be rigged so what does it really matter in 2024 that'll be a joke i mean i i'll make a wild this is a wild ass pr- prediction I could see uh, Kamala Harris uh, uh, having issues with trying to keep the country together because she'll be in charge by then. Uh, so much, though, that uh, as it turns out, uh, AOC turns 35 in October of that year. So technically, she can run for president because she'll, she, uh, as of election day, she won't be. I could see somebody like AOC getting elected president to this country. It's crazy as that sounds. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, uh, given the, the given the, uh, the, the the given how much of a platform she's been given, and g- considering how she uh, has all these thirsty males that follow her on Twitter, I mean, I could see her Twitter account. If assuming Twitter stays around, uh, she'll have a, a platform of. I mean, she already has like ten or eleven million. I think it was like twelve million followers. I could see her very easily eclipsing that. Having having like a Donald Trump size supporting because she's going to come out and guys are going to be gloss over. They're going to look at her face and everything or look at her body or whatever. I mean, she's attractive in, 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 in a way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not attracted to her, but I'm just saying I can see her. I can see why certain weak people would very would be very much in, as long as she parrots the right talking points, she'll she'll have a platform there. Um. So I could see that. It's crazy, but I could very well, either that or Speaker. She's always said, oh, no, I, I don't want to be Speaker of the House. Bullshit. She, she now that the actress has gotten her, her way and gotten her position in Congress, these people love power. They can't wait to get more power. You know, don't let that false humility fool you. They, uh, <laughs> I'm sure the plan's afoot. Uh because uh, somebody like that, she's 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 always she's an attention whore. She just wants more and more power. So, oh, she's going to have challenges. Don't get me wrong. If if someone's out there say, well, uh, they won't align behind her. Oh, you never know. Our country will have collapsed by then. I'm I'm giving it. I'm giving it inside of uh, eighteen months. 
we got 18 months of uh, of uh, our country reaching its um, um, I guess you say climax in terms of in terms of unification um, it won't be because of anything I mean I'm just I'm just entertaining those ideas because if you can't see the the, the cracks uh, discernly discern the cracks throughout the country discern the cracks in the people I see the demoralization on people's uh, I, I ran into a guy today at, at the speedway I don't wear my mask and the guy they don't hassle me go in there and he's wearing his mask and I, I, I talked to him and I said how are you doing today and uh, is his level of chipperness that usually it had you know a year ago or even six, even with the mask on, a few months ago he was a lot more upbeat and positive. I think today I could see something didn't, something was going wrong with him, and you can see that more and more people are quiet. They don't talk, um, at least where I'm at. Uh, there's just you know they're they're moralized. I'm demoralized. I know I am. I try to be more positive. I know talking. I'm talking through my thoughts right now, but. Uh, I feel um, I feel demoralized, uh, and that's the whole point of this. You know, that's that's truth. That's just being truthful. That's the whole point of this. It's wheedling down our our ability to 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 install that defeatist attitude, even when you know that you're being manipulated and, and propagandized and and uh, having somebody work a psychological operation on you. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't. You're not going to have some impact or feelings or awareness of that, and I, I and I am, and I'm trying to be resistant to that. And I want to tell I would uh, before I try to you know sugarcoat things. I think that's the reason why I'm doing these things, as I want to give people a dose of reality, at least my reality. Uh, maybe your reality is different. Maybe you're living in a big city in a high rise and, and you're still making money and you're. Uh, going home and you just wish us stupid conservatives would just go along to get along uh, <laughs> or people who when I say conserve conserve our country uh, meanwhile if you can exploit your position working in a high rise uh, for Bank of America or some big fortune 50 company that's already rolled out told you what their new initiatives are going to be based upon the riddance of uh all the uh, all the Trump ideology, and you're you're rolling you're steamrolling ahead, and you can't wait to get this new new great reset kicked off, and and getting people kicked off platforms, and and uh, developing plans to you know rid ourselves of the scourge of uh, white supremo. <laughs> I call it that anymore. Uh, it's kind of. I'll call it white supremo because it's it's a it's my new catchphrase because it's it's stupid as all get out, but if that's what you're out there doing and and you happen to be in those positions, you know I can you know I guess more power to you until till the collapse comes and gets you because after you get rid of certain people, like the military has decided that you know they're gonna they're gonna they're going to uh, root out all that all that nasty uh, nasty white supremo. Uh, I always think it's funny because they might be getting rid of the very people that are patriot, most patriotic towards this country. How you gonna How you gonna have an army that has no patriotism? Once you Once you d destroy the patriotism of of a fighting unit, 
of the people who don't know what they're fighting for or even if they want to fight for it. I mean, it seems like you're just going to lay down your weapons right before the Chinese and let them steamroll you. And by the way, the reason people say, well, we still have nuclear weapons, that you're, you're just not, you're not assessing it correctly. It's like um, they're already talking about uh, removing the power of the of uh, the nuclear codes from the president. Now, what makes you think they won't codify that uh, initiative? And then they'll make it so that there's not enough response. Or better yet, they'll make it so that they'll never use it. And then they'll then they'll signal to the Chinese that uh, we're so clusterfucked that, you know, we won't ever actually use them. And if you won't actually use them or do anything with them, then they know that they can come in and invade and nothing will ever happen. And we won't have any response whatsoever. We'll basically surrender to them by fait accompli. Uh which very well could happen. I mean, uh, we have we have people that are so so inane that they would probably go ahead and do that because you know when you have traitors and we know we have them, uh, they'll they'll give up everything. They'll give up their soul for for thirty. I mean, like I said, Jesus was sold out for thirty cents on a uh, thirty pieces of gold. What makes you think liberals won't sell you out for thirty bars of gold or whatever? whatever they're going to get. Um, and I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, I just think, uh, I was looking at something here. Okay. I think, uh, I, I, I hope, and I pray for the rest of us out there. I pray for our allies, uh, around the world. I pray for India. I pray for some of the Australia, you know, all the English-speaking worlds and non-English-speaking worlds. Let me clarify that there are people in Hungary, in Poland, in Libya, and in a, a wide array of places that that know what's coming and can feel it, and think the United States is off its rocker. I mean, I've heard it from uh, on an, another. Um, I heard it on another platform. A, a guy was calling in from another country and I guess they're having discussions about what's going wrong with the United States it means they're scared it means they're scared that they're thinking not only won't the United States protect them from what's coming the United States can't even protect itself I should tell you how dangerous our situation is getting that our uh, people around the world are wondering if this country is not going to collapse that they that that the Chinese have achieved their goals through the stupidity of our leadership, which is profound. And it's not even about what party they're a part of. It's profound because it started and originated in D.C. And it's originated from people that have lost their entire minds in terms of what they think they're going to garner out of what they're doing. Uh, they think they can install these social changes and they think that there's no, there's no consequences to that. Okay, well, uh, it's been an hour and almost 24 minutes. I'm going to cut it at that, and uh, I appreciate anyone who downloads this. Uh, I rambled all over the place, but uh, you have a good day, and um, uh, God bless.